Hello, everyone, inside this very special, very late, or very early edition of Lockdown Canadians. I am solo hosting. I have the recap from the game against the Seattle Kraken, Wright versus Slavkovsky. We have that disastrous Vancouver Canucks game. And is Joel Edmondson on the trade block in Montreal? All that and more inside today's show. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 741 of Locked On Canadians. As always, we are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast. I am your solo host tonight. I am Scott Matland. As always, thank you for listening to us wherever you get your podcast, or if you're watching my very tired-looking face because it is 12.45 in the morning here on the East Coast on YouTube. Thank you so much for subscribing. Make sure you ring the bell so you get notified every time we post a brand-new video. And I kind of debated what I wanted to do with this show today. Uh, If I wanted to talk about the Vancouver game first because it was all kinds of stupid. Or if I wanted to talk about Wright versus Slavkovsky. And I think based on the way these games turned out, we're going to talk about that Vancouver game first. Because there was a lot to unpack in that game. Good and bad. The ending, not what we wanted as Canadians fans, obviously. Losing 7-6 in overtime after blowing a 4-0 lead to a very bad Vancouver Canucks team, going behind 5-4, taking the lead back 6-5, immediately giving up a last-minute power play goal and then losing 13 seconds in overtime because your top-pairing defenseman blew a wheel right off the opening faceoff, is not what you want if you were the Montreal Canadiens. It was not the best night for Samuel Montebo. He was very good to start the game. He kept the Canucks at bay long enough for the Canadiens' offense to admittedly come alive. You don't score six goals by accident. And, well, for the most part, you don't score six goals by accident. But it was a very strong night for the Canadiens' offense everything else goes out the window in that. It was kind of like watching the Laval Rocket. Anyone who's been watching the Rocket this year or following my recaps that have eyes on the prize knows goals in bunches, defense in none, nunches, nuns, nothing, no defense, none whatsoever. And uh, there was a turning point in this game against Vancouver that it was very, very apparent where things were not going to go the way the Montreal Canadiens wanted. And it was the what happened was they were up for nothing. They were cruising along. They were very clearly outclassing the Vancouver Canucks at that point after a slow start. Jake Evans drew a penalty with Oliver Ekman Larson going to the box for tripping after he deked him out. The power play was very passive, very meek. And had they scored a fifth goal on that, I think this game's done, toasted, over with. At that point, that would have been the end of the night for that game. Vancouver would have then just gone into, you know, defense mode, chips, pucks out. Let's just get the hell out of here. And it's over and it's done with. And Montreal moves on to Seattle uh, on Tuesday night, which we will get to in a moment. But they didn't. And then Vancouver got one. 
okay. And then they got a second one. And at that point, the Canadians were a car skidding down an icy street. And they could have course corrected one way or the other. And they didn't. And then it was 4-3. And then it was 4-4. And then it was 5-4. I believe that's when Martin St. Louis took his timeout after the fifth goal and goes, we're better than this. And then you could see that they kind of stabilized the ship a little bit there. They got two goals in pretty rapid succession there. And there were goals from everyone across this here. You had a goal from Michael Pazetta. You had goals from Caulfield and Suzuki. You had guys scoring goals that you want to score goals. That's fantastic. The issue with this entire game came down to the defense did not do what it needed to do across the board. Pucks were not cleared the way they needed to do or they were needed to. The front of the net was not maintained the way it did. I look at some of these goals here, and we're going to talk about Joel Edmondson later, and we talked about him after that game against Edmonton. He's not in spots that he needs to be. David Savard is out injured right now. And it said week to week or weeks on the TSN broadcast tonight. The Habs are still rolling with a very young defense. The most elder statesman outside of, you know, Matheson and Edmondson is Jordan Harris, who, or, and Chris Weidman is in there as well. But like Jordan Harris, out of these young guys, is the elder statesman of that group. It was a rough night for a group that has shown a lot this year. Yeah, David Savard eats up minutes, but I believe it was Nathan at Eyes on the Prize. We were talking about this. They are a very good transition team defensively with the puck in that if they are skating with it, things are going to happen. If you are asking them to anchor in the defensive zone and just absorb blow after blow, kind of like Shea Weber and Ben Sherratt and healthy Joel Edmondson, you're not going to get those same results. And that becomes an issue if you are the Montreal Canadiens. You will have to defend leads. That is a part of the NHL. You are going to have to defend leads. And they did not do the distance in this game. Vancouver offensively has very talented players. Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser, Bo Horvat, Andre Kuzamenko are all very good players. If you give them an inch and allow them to take another inch, it becomes three to four inches to a foot, to a ruler, to a yardstick, to a you're losing seven, six to the Vancouver Canucks. In overtime, it, it was a learning experience in a lot of ways. And I don't think anyone from the defense is covering themselves in glory after that game. And I think, and I don't want to just put this on one guy and say, you're the reason this didn't go as well as it could have. When the chips are down like that, you need someone like Joel Edmondson to steady the ship. Caden Gooley's great. Jordan Harris is great. Arbor Jacki still a little rough around the edges, but has that potential. Joel Edmondson has to take that step and be, I am the stabilizing presence here. Like Shea Weber, like Jeff Petrie, like Andre Markov. Be that stabilizing presence. If you can't do that, then you got to kind of look into other things and figure out what you need to do to kind of stabilize that defensive group here. And it also helps out in net. If your goalie is a little bit more calm, Samuel Montembeau has been very good this year. 
was not in this game because the defense did not help him in the way that he, he kind of got hung out to dry. Speaking of goalies who kind of got hung out to dry, but the effort seemed a little more targeted and sincere. We're going to get into the Vancouver, uh, not the Vancouver Canucks recap. We're going to get into the Seattle Kraken. We're going to get into Shane Wright versus Uri Slavkovsky and everything else. And that's all coming up next. But first, today's show is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online, And they're your number one source for all your sports betting info, stats, everything that you need. College Bowl season is here. The NFL playoffs are rapidly approaching in a couple of weeks. MLB's in the offseason. Where's Aaron Judge going? Where are all these big-name free agents going? NHL's in full swing. The World Cup's almost over, and that means the Premier League, Serie A, everything are almost back on your TV screen. So please go check out Bet Online. They have everything that you need on their website, and you can look, go through your mobile device and find everything you're looking for at betonline.net. And folks, always remember, Bet Online, it's where the game starts. We are back, and by we, I mean I. I am Scott Matlow. Of course, you notice uh, my co-host, The Active Stick, is not here. I am off work going into Wednesday, so I am up doing the late-night podcasting here because that is what good co-hosts do. And I just got done watching the Montreal Canadiens beat the Seattle Kraken for the first time in franchise history. I don't want to say this is one of the silliest games I've ever watched because they just literally lost 7-6 to the Vancouver Canucks on Monday in a game that was dumb for its own reasons. The Montreal Canadiens beat the Seattle Kraken 4-2 on the back of Martin Jones giving up, I believe it was four goals on eight shots uh, going into the third period. Cole Caulfield on the score sheet again. Josh Anderson on the score sheet. Jonathan Kovacevic, first NHL goal. All good things. And it was very funny is that going into this game, it was everyone, everybody, Canadians fans, Krakens fans, neutral fans, knew Shane Wright was going to score his first NHL goal tonight. But somewhat hilariously, he was beaten to the punch on a first NHL goal celebration in this game by Jonathan Kovacevic opening the scoring in this game. It is very funny to me that that is the thing that occurred. And good for Kovacevic. He's come close a lot this year. Really glad to see him get on the score sheet. Really glad to see Suzuki and Caulfield are still just mentally in sync, better than anybody you could possibly imagine in the NHL right now. Scary. Caulfield is in the top six for NHL goal scoring. Nick Suzuki's right behind him. Caulfield's got 15. Suzuki's got 14. Um, they're still giving the double birds to regression, which, you know what, is fine. Shane Wright did get his first NHL goal. Right in front of the net, dirty area, waited for that rebound to come to him, and he went and buried it, and you know what? We all knew it was coming, and good for him. He, we talked with uh, Erica from Lockdown Kraken about his conditioning stint and if that's going to bring him some swagger into the NHL. And I think, yeah, I think it did. I think Wright played, you know, well enough, all things considered. I haven't looked at natural stat trick for this game, mostly because it's, it is very much as ugly as I thought it was. Oh my God. Um, I want to check one thing here, and you were watching me ch fact check this in real time. Shane Wright played 1057 at five on five tonight. 
and in all situations played 11 minutes and 12 seconds. I, uh, for all things in that, that still feels like it's not a lot. And let me check all situations for the Canadians. Uh, Uri Slavkovsky played 12 and a half minutes. Arbor Jack, I only played four and a half minutes, but I think that was a seven defenseman, but that's not the point. Uh, for Slavkovsky versus Wright, it really wasn't a head-to-head thing. They didn't play against each other a lot. Uh, I believe Slavkovsky got a secondary assist on Josh Anderson's goal. Obviously, Shane Wright scored his first goal of the season. And a lot of people then talked about, oh, you know, if Wright's going to go to World Juniors, he's going to dominate, and Slavkovsky's just kind of here. And it's and my thought with everything is, Shane Wright going to World Juniors is great for him. If Uri Slavkovsky went to World Juniors, great. I'm not going to compare someone going to an under-20 tournament versus someone who is playing in the NHL in a top-six role for the Canadians. Middle six, we'll say. Especially with the injuries, it's um, it's flexible. It We're way too early on to start saying, one, lost, bad pick, draft pick, bust, this, that. I still don't understand fully what the Kraken's plan with Shane Wright is. I think this is only the second time the series cracked 10 minutes of ice time. He was healthy scratched for a reason long enough so they could send him to the AHL on a conditioning loan. They don't really know, I think, what the plan is with him yet, and it's not my job to find out. But it's gonna it, the next game, which is in Montreal, is going to be... It's going to be raucous. You know fans are going to give Shane Wright crap. And I think... That's a good sign for Uri Slavkovsky. I think he's going to feed off of that a little bit. And my hope is that, you know what? Take that confidence and that swagger. So uh, one of the other things with this game is we talked a lot about the Canadians against Vancouver struggling defensively. I don't think tonight they were particularly outstanding defensively. I think they were a lot better at getting pucks out of areas around the crease temporarily there were a lot of first chance second chance kind of things that i saw happen and it's like get the puck out just get the puck over the line and clear it especially late with the kraken pushing and then eventually pulling martin jones little things do add up in that jake allen had a really strong rebound game here he was great against calgary so so against edmonton i don't want to put all the blame on him based on all those penalties he faced or all those uh, penalty kills that were in front of him, all those five-on-threes and Connor McDavid and everything, I thought he was very good against Seattle. Composed, even when he had to scramble and everything, I thought Jake Allen was in the spots that he needed to be, and it was a really good bounce back for him. And it's very clear that the Montreal Canadiens were exhausted coming into this game. Like, very clearly, very, very tired. And... Luckily, they now go back to Montreal. They do not play until Saturday the 10th against L.A., and then they welcome, uh, following that, the Flames, and they play the Senators, the Ducks, the Lightning, and the Coyotes, all coming up here. There's winnable games in there. The Ducks game is winnable. The Senators game is winnable. Um, The Flames game is winnable. Uh, The Kings, all these games are winnable games. 
they got to take the best parts of the game against the Kraken and the best parts of the game against uh, Vancouver. Channel that offensive potency because they did do the offensive outburst again tonight. It just wasn't as sustained across the entire period. They they got two goals in seven seconds plus Kovacevic's opening goal, and we're like, we're just gonna we're just gonna ride this one out. And you know what? That's fine. You're on a back to back. It's about mitigating the amount of energy you have to expend. You're down Sean Monahan, who has a lower body injury day to day. David Savard, who is out. You have a lot of young guys. You're still missing Mike Hoffman. Jonathan Drewant's out. Brendan Gallagher is out. You're missing pieces already in this. You've got to make the most of it. And I think they did that against Seattle. It was not pretty. I, I don't want to sugarcoat that and say, this is a recipe for success. Martin Jones, despite going in this game with a 12-4 and record, had an 893 save percentage. 893 is what Jake Allen has. Jake Allen has a losing record on the season right now. Took a little bit of luck. Took a little bit of Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki being actual wizards with the puck. Uh, I'm very curious to see how the game against LA goes. Um, LA's, I don't, I they're that team that falls in that weird category of they're not tanking, but I don't know if they are a bona fide guaranteed playoff team. Even in the Pacific Division, they beat up on the Ottawa Senators real bad tonight. Um, Senators are obviously dealing with some injuries on their own too. It's going to be a very interesting thing because the Kings, I think, are a few steps ahead in what their rebuild is. And I believe this will be Mark Bergevin's first return to Montreal since being fired uh, last year. So that's that has that's going to dominate the narratives in that game. Um, that's next Saturday, 7 p.m. of the recap with that next week. But we talked a little bit about Joel Edmondson earlier and after the game against the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday. A little bit of buzz that maybe the Oilers might be interested in a Canadian's defenseman. We're going to talk about that and everything, and that's all coming up next. All right, we are back again by we, I mean I, uh, Scott Matla here at Locked On Canadians, and I, I, I don't love. I love trade speculation. I don't love predicting values in trades, but uh, following the the back and forth between the Edmonton Oilers and the Montreal Canadiens. And what was an exciting Saturday night game, uh, Ryan Rashog mentioned and on his podcast that the Oilers might have some interest in acquiring Joel Edmondson, potentially giving up a similar return to what the Canadians got for Ben Sherratt last year. And my first thought is getting another first round pick is great. The Oilers are, are, are a playoff team. In the Pacific Division, if they don't make the playoffs, who there? That's that's a, that's an entire other rant for everything else. But it would add another first round pick to the war chest for Kenton Hughes and Jeff Gordon and everybody else involved there. And my thing with Joel Edmondson is, I understand the role the Canadians want him to play, and I understand why he is here and what his style of play is. It's not aggressive. It's. Uh, it's aggressively defensive. He will jump up in the play. He did uh, against Seattle on Rem Pitlick's first goal of the season. He was up in the rush there, helping to set up Pitlick's goal with a really nice tic-tac-toe passing play. It's defensively the guy we saw with Jeff Petrie during that cup run 
and beforehand were they eight minutes and underlying numbers weren't always great, but good things happened. I'm not seeing that guy. I'm seeing someone who's taking bad penalties or badly timed penalties. Game against Edmonton. He did it against Seattle tonight. Luckily, they were able to kill off that penalty. And I'm just not seeing a guy whose defensive coverage is where it needs to be at for someone who is supposed to be currently one of the two de- like known defensive specialists on this team with David Savard. Shot blockers, gritty guys, clearing the front of the net. I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing a guy who is kind of drifting in space and is behind the play taking tripping penalties, taking uh, cross-checking penalties. And if the Oilers are that interested in him, and they want to give up a first-round pick, honestly, I don't see why you don't take it. If if that is actually what the they want to meet that asking price, uh, a first-round pick and a mid-tier prospect, I do that in a heartbeat because it fits what the Canadians want to do with this rebuild here. Clears a little bit of cap, allows them to get a little bit more flexible, and I don't love the idea of it, though, just because it's then a young defense is left even kind of more exposed in terms of veterans not there to absorb some of the blow from being bad this year. You'd be down to David Savard and Chris Weidman, unless you're going to be calling up of Madison Bowie and Otto Leskinen. Uh, Obviously, Justin Barron, but he's still a prospect, too. I want to see if Joel Edmondson can get better. And if he can put together some steadying performances, then I think you look at, you know, pulling the trigger on that. Uh, Another team out there that I think is going to be another interesting trading partner for the Canadians this year is going to be Colorado. Nathan McKinnon's out injured for a couple of weeks. They're beat to hell and back. They've used 22 different forwards this year. Charles Houdon, which I think everyone on this podcast knows I love Charles Houdon, was one of my favorite Canadians prospects, is playing in their top six with Miko Ranton and Alex Newhook right now. That should give you a pretty good idea of where the Edmund or not the Edmonton, the Colorado Avalanche are at or in terms of injuries. And I'm wondering, is Sean Monahan of someone of interest to them? A lot like Arturi Lekkinen last year, a real Big Swiss Army knife guy can be a power play guy, can be a penalty killer, can eat up those middle six defensive minutes. Lekin obviously doesn't play center, but Monaghan wins key faceoffs and everything else. I can't help but think he's got to be of some interest to the Colorado Avalanche this year, especially with all those injuries. Uh, Pierre Lebrun mentioned, though, it's not exactly easy to just add, add, add when you're going to have Landis Scott coming back, when you're going to have... Nathan McKinnon coming back and all these other pieces coming back. You got to have the cap space for everybody and you don't just want to wave guys and have them get claimed. I think the Canadians right now are kind of at a crossroads. Sean Monahan is very clearly like their top trade asset with his play this year. It, it, I don't think it's particularly close. Mike Hoffman had some strong games, but he's been out injured now. And we don't know where that next step is. Jonathan Drouin out injured. We don't know uh, where that value is here. And that's why the Joel Edmondson proposal is so intriguing because he's not someone I thought that would be mentioned in trades this year because the Canadians talked about how important they believe he is to this team. 
But if they're calling and saying, we're going to give you, we'll offer you Xavier Borgo in a second. Do you take it? Probably, yeah. We're going to offer you a first and some other prospect that, you know, it won't be Dylan Holloway or anything like that. But it's even said um, Evan Bouchard got benched for not playing. He didn't play well in the next game after the, the Oilers beat the Habs. They lost a really ugly game there. And Evan Bouchard got benched. They're looking to get another veteran on that blue line. And Joel Edmondson kind of fits what Ken Holland likes. And that's, you know, those character gritty guys back there. Um, And if you're Kent Hughes, take advantage of that. You got a lot of them left over from the previous regime. If you can find something there, do it. As long as it fits your timeline of the plan there. Um, I'm not going to make predictions. I'm not expecting uh, anything to occur. I'm expecting some call-ups this week with players injured, people probably going on IR here or there. Going to be a busy couple of days off for the Canadians because even the Rocket don't play right now. The Rocket don't play until Friday night. So there's a lot of time for players to move around in the coming days here, and I'm going to be really curious to see what uh, moves they make. I'd love to see Jesse Ullinen. I would love, I admittedly want to see Anthony Richard get a look at the NHL level. He's leading the AHL in goals. He's playing his butt off for the Rocket every single night. He is the most dominant forward on that team. He's at least earned a cup of coffee in the NHL this season. And I hope the Canadians give it to him, to be quite honest. Uh, whether they will or not, not up to me. I am not the general manager. I am not the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. If I was, um, sorry on all aspects of everything else. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, what do you think about Joel Edmondson potentially being a trade piece with the Edmonton Oilers? Uh, let us know in the comments. Tweet us at LO underscore Canadians. You can tweet me at Scott Matla, as you see in front of us. Uh, make sure you're following us wherever you get your daily podcast. And if you are subscribed on YouTube, please make sure you click and ring the bell just so you get notified every time we post a brand new video for y'all. Um, we're going to be back uh, Wednesday night going into Thursday and then Thursday into Friday with our mailbag. Uh, Laura and I will have everything that you could possibly be looking for and more. And folks, as always, thank you for listening. Go Hebs go. And we will see you all next time.